Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Swing and drive, back to right. Welcome to the show. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. From ball, back to right center. And the Braves have won it. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight. I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, episode number 70, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our friends at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is still the number one gambling app online or wherever you like to take it. MyBookie.ag has all the best lines, all the healthiest and and most helpful customer service representation. If you ever have a question about a line or about uh, how, how to put in a promo code or whatever question you might have, MyBookie.ag's customer service is second to none. And if you use our promo code BRAVES25, they're going to give you a 50% deposit match, which means if you put in 100 bucks, they're going to throw in 50 just for you signing up. MyBookie.ag, promo code BRAVES25, play, win, and have a great time. All right, so last week we recorded our 69th episode. Nice. Uh, and it nice. did very well. Nice. Thank you, guys. Now we're at a round number. 70, man. That's a lot of episodes. It really is. It kind of feels like we just started doing this yesterday. It's hard to believe that uh, that, that much time has passed. It, it really does, and it's been about a year and a half now. We've got about 1,400 and some change followers. So um, what do podcasts do once they have that many followers? Well, I don't know what everybody else does, but uh, for those of you out there who like the show, uh, we actually now, thanks to my partner, have a Patreon, uh, which if you feel like contributing and becoming a patron of the show you can feel free there's no obligation obviously but we do have some cool thoughts running through the old noggin for those of you that do become patrons so doc tell them what they can win should they become a patron well if uh we were working on establishing what the exact tiers are going to wind up being uh from for anybody who winds up deciding to donate and uh Depending on which tier it winds up in, you would have an opportunity to uh, join us. Uh, join us for a show. Come on and uh, 
just be one of us. You know, you can moderate the discussion. Uh, you can pit me and Dylan against each other. You can do kind of whatever you want to do. So uh, it will be up to you. And we, we just set the account up. It was earlier this week. So uh, all of this is still in production. So uh, get your name in the hat early. And uh, who knows? You could uh, you could be a guest on the Platinum Sabrero podcast. And should you become a patron, uh, since we don't have all the tiers set up now, we're going to do that every single month. So we'll we'll have the names of this. So if you do become a patron, make sure you send us a message. Uh, we'll we'll throw all the names around in there. We'll randomly pick a name, and we'll get in contact with you, and you'll get to host the show with us for a week just because we love having you guys. You guys are great listeners. You guys have been with us on this entire ride so far, so we wanted something that could help give back. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully, whether you guys do or not, whatever, hope you, hopefully you guys just enjoy the show and keep coming back day in and day out. Uh, but we do have some Braves stuff to talk about. Braves have gone 500 since last week's episode. Beat Jacob DeGrom, which was cool, and uh, beat a good Jacob DeGrom. It's not like DeGrom was bad. They just managed to to knock a couple more across than uh, DeGrom gave up. Austin Riley with a big old dinger off Jacob DeGrom made it very, very nice. Yeah, that's always good to see. You know, with, with guys like that, when they're dealing with premium velocity, you know he's got the power to put one out, but you, you still have to put the work in to actually do it. So it was nice to see. I think, was that the first time or the second time that Riley ever saw DeGrom and he, and he parked one in the, the left center seats? So it's a, it was a good Met series for, for Riley, but particularly that moment, seeing him hit one of the game's best, that's wonderful. I think see. the worst part of that Met series was that you lost the game that probably would have gotten Mickey Calloway fired, so he's still somehow hanging on to that hot seat. It kind of seemed like he's trying to get fired. You know, you could, you could see uh, when, when they got the hit that, that put him ahead in that Sunday game that he was like, oh my God, something good happened. And then that, that look kind of came over his face and he's like, oh man, something good happened. I, I had an entire vacation. Plan. It really does kind of so, seem like that. I mean, it seems like he's just actively doing whatever he can. It's like he's given up. I can't really say that I blame him. And we talked about it last week with Garab. That's kind of a theme with the NL East right now. Like there's really, there's going to be three managers from three NL East teams that get fired. And when Don Mattingly is is the second most secured job in the division, I mean, the Nationals are, are turning it around a little bit. And, and apparently Matt Clintock has said that he, he wants to stick with Gabe Kapler for for some reason. But, yeah, there's just there's something in the water in this division. Snitker is like, he's basically the elder statesman anymore. And, and he's only been around for a couple of years, and all he has to do is kind of get out of his players' way and, and let them do what they're going to do, and everybody else is kind of dealing with the fallout of their own rosters. It, it's kind of insane when you think about it. And uh, for those of you that have been keeping up with my writing on BravesJournal.com, I did put out a piece about uh, titled Give Me a Break, which you should be able to figure out what that topic was about. Uh, I didn't ask you, Doc, did you read the piece? I did read the piece, and you know, you and I, for anybody who doesn't know this, Dylan and I are kind of talking, like, all the time about everything, and, uh, you know, we, we had talked a, b- a little bit about the need to, to rotate days off and give breaks for people. I mean, 162 games is a lot, and last year they went went to the playoffs, they, they played a, a couple extra, and the goal is to wind up playing about 180 games a year, which basically means that you've won the World Series, but... This is a young team. This is a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Virile is not the right word, but I'm going to stick with it. You know, they're, they're 
energetic, you know, and they can overcome a lot. But there are still some veterans in there. You know, we talk a lot about Marcakis getting days off and substituting in Camargo. But even, you know, Freddie Freeman, is he's just not getting days off. And Freddie's not old by any means, but it's hard standing out in the sun for three and a half hours, you know? This, this is Atlanta. I don't know if you know this, but Atlanta is not exactly cold in the summertime. So just when the sun's beating down on you like that, it tends to, to wear you down even after one day. So doing it for six and a half months can can really be a lot. So the need to, to rotate guys around, especially after what happened last last week, or I guess at this point a week and a half ago when Snicker was talking about how, you know, we're, we're not built that way to, to give guys breaks. These these guys want to play. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, your GM built this team to to be exactly that way. So you're you're starting you're starting to see it a little bit more. And there was a there was a built-in off day uh, this past Monday. So he's kind of gone back to the standard roster. But once you start seeing a little bit more after the All Star break, those stretches of two straight weeks, three straight weeks where there's no built-in off days, I think you really are going to start to see a little bit more of what you were talking about with spreading the love around, getting Camargo in there because he's a really good hitter, but also resting Ozzy, resting Dansby, Marcakis, even even resting Riley, and possi- possibly Acuna too. But that creates a whole new can of worms because you don't really have a center fielder while Enciarte's on rehab. Yeah. Speaking of Enciarte, he did, uh, I think it was his second game yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, so Tuesday was his second appearance. Uh, I believe he did get a hit or got on base once or something. Played five innings, got lifted after a walk, surprisingly enough. I would imagine tonight he'll probably go a little bit longer. The Braves do have... 18 days now left, I believe, to either activate him, option him, or release him, if I'm not mistaken. That's about right, yeah. So I think we all know that they're not going to release him. Um, I do wonder what they're going to do with him because I don't – I personally am terrified if Ender ends up on this major league team. And I'm terrified because I don't think Snicker could find a way to not use him often – like I, I know I'm over here like praying to give people breaks. Uh, if it ends up being that Ender Enciarte comes in and ends up like in a the long side of a platoon with Austin Riley, do you have any idea how angry I'm going to be? The problem is I know exactly how angry you're going to be, and I I think that it's completely warranted. I mean, the way this team is constructed now, as opposed to how it was when Ender first went down, it's very different. So I I don't know if. I certainly understand where you're coming from, but I, th- I think that Snitker, even for as traditional and as old-fashioned as he is, and for as much as he loves Ender, I think he still does realize, like, you can't just... You can't take Riley out, because as soon as you call him up, then that's when the, the offense went totally bonkers. So, but But there are really questions to try and figure out, like, what are you going to do? Like, sadly, the most logical thing is going to be to go to the five-man bench and have a seven-man bullpen and just have bullpen guys that can go two, three innings at a time, I guess. And most of the guys can already do that, but and they haven't really been shy about shuttling guys back and forth, whether it's Sabatka or Grant Dayton or or whomever. But but that can get dangerous. That can, that can get really dicey. So truthfully, man, I don't know. I keep looking at different things. I'm like, you know, dude, you don't send Camargo back to AAA even though that's he's got the option 
to to do that. But I mean, if the whole point is to bring Ender back just to reestablish his trade value, then you have to play him, and then so subbing him out for Camargo doesn't really do much unless you're really really buying buying full into the and everybody's gonna play type thing. Everybody's gonna wind up getting rotated around. So I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot. I just I have no idea. I think he's gonna be on the major league roster because without him on there, there is not a person that can give Acuna a break in center field. Like you're not running Marquecas out there in center field. You're not running Riley out there. Matt Joyce, you can't run him out there in center field either. So Ender's going to have a spot because Acuna simply is not going to be able to play or, or at least effectively play every single game the rest of the way through and still maintain his abilities the way he's done to this point. So unless they're able to trade Ender and then bring in some fourth outfielder, center fielder type, I don't know what they're going to do. And you talk about maybe sending Camargo down. I would say no. I do think that that would be an option simply because if you needed to give Donaldson a day off, you can shift Riley to third and have Ender go to center, which they've done before. I hope I don't see that because Camargo gives you that option to give everybody else a day off. But so does Charlie. And I don't necessarily think they'd put Charlie in center field. But at this point, if you're asking who the backup center fielder is, it's Charlie Culberson. Yeah, it doesn't really fill you with a whole lot of joy and a lot of good feelings. I mean, I would feel just as good about putting, like, Dansby in center field just because he's got the speed and he's got really good instincts, but also knowing full well that he has zero outfield experience whatsoever. So you just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope for a miracle. So, yeah, I mean, and Acuna... Acuna is the straw that serves the drink. I mean, you got to have him in the lineup. you got to have him healthy. So... Something has to be done there, but but yeah, you can't get rid of Joyce. You're obviously not going to get rid of Culberson, and you know you got to keep your catchers around. So I don't know. That's a big decision to be made. And if ideally there's going to wind up being a trade of some some kind in there, but but like you said, it, there's going to have to be something that brings back some level of versatility, somebody that can fill it at center field in center field, and also elsewhere on the field, like in the infield as well, unless they've got some type of plan about bringing up Travis Demerit, like trading Camargo and bringing up Travis Demerit or something like that, because he's playing outfield now, but he's a plus defender on the infield, and his bat finally looks like it's playing now. So, I don't know. This, this is where I'm really glad that I'm not a GM or in any position to make decisions like that, because there's going to be backlash and fury coming from people no matter what happens. So I can't wait for that 26-man roster next season. Yeah, that would really come in handy right about now. And all that aside, we we don't really know what's going to happen. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that next week during the All-Star break episode. Uh, But as far as the Braves this week, last night was a tough game. Dallas Keuchel pitched his best game as an Atlanta Brave, went seven innings, uh, two earned runs, two, two walks, three strikeouts. And I thought he looked really good. He looked like what you should expect out of Dallas Keuchel most nights. Nothing that was 90 mile an hour. I don't think he threw a 90 mile an hour pitch. It was all two seams and sliders. I think he might have dropped a few change-ups and even a curveball once or twice. But everything was on the corners, staying there until he started getting the call. Unfortunately, when you're a guy like Keuchel that lives off uh, that, that generates contact like that, he doesn't have a wipeout pitch, every once in a while somebody's going to square one up. And last night... Jay Bruce was the difference in the game, drove in two runs, uh, and unfortunately the Braves were up against good Aaron Nola, and when Aaron Nola is on like he was Tuesday night, you're not beating him. 
when he's on, he's legitimately top five pitcher in the game. I mean, we we've seen him do some filthy things. I mean, being a division rival is is cool if you like watching really good pitching performances because it's like watching Max Scherzer, where it's like there's something different about facing him, and it's like it's almost an honor to be beat by Max Scherzer because he's the best. You know, it's like it's like watching Kershaw or or Degrom or, or guys in that tier where it's like okay. We didn't beat him tonight, but I don't think that literally anybody could have beat him tonight. His Nola's curveball was just dancing all over the place. He was he was hitting every single spot. I mean, that guy's a problem. And the Braves are zero and three against him this year. And and this is that's the downside of facing him in the division. You're going to wind up seeing him four or five times a year. And you know they they handled him really well last year, but yeah, he was. Filthy, and I I have to ask you, like they, Braves beat Degrom for the second time, but they have really struggled against Nola in two of those three starts. One of the things about the 2018 team that I was really really excited about was how well they hit against elite pitching, and it almost seems like they haven't quite had that this year. Does that worry you at all? Because that's who those types of pitchers, that's who they're going to face in the playoffs. It doesn't really worry me, just because what the Braves did last year was kind of above their heads. Nola didn't – Nola had – for whatever reason, last year, Nola didn't pitch amazingly against the Braves. DeGrom gets no run support. Like, if you look at the Braves' numbers against DeGrom, DeGrom owns the Braves. The problem is the Mets don't score any runs. Uh, when, you're, when you're talking about facing elite pitching, I think you should expect if this offense could scratch out three to four runs against an elite pitcher, three runs against an elite pitcher is having a good day. Uh, when you get to the playoffs, you start counting down how many of these elite guys you're really going to be facing. If you're talking about the Dodgers, um, maybe Walker Bueller, but it's, it's still, it's still 50, 50, whether he's going to be ace Walker Bueller or whether he's going to be like second year Walker Bueller and give up six runs. Hinjin Ryu, for whatever reason, absolutely obliterates the Braves. But aside from that, the Braves handle the Cubs well, except for John Lester. Uh, they handle most of the pitching that they would face up until at least uh, up until the AL teams. Like you're not going to be facing Washington this year in the playoffs. Uh, you talk Cubs. We talked about John Lester. Milwaukee doesn't have an ace type of pitcher, uh, and we we throttle all of their pitchers anyway. Um, the Rockies don't have anybody. It's really just the Dodgers. So I'm I'm not really worried on that front. Um, if you're talking AL, it kind of depends which AL team gets there because if, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, if the Braves should face the Astros, um, facing Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in consecutive days is rough. Yeah. If if they're going to wind up beating either of those guys, they are, (laughs) they're going to have to earn it for sure. But another point on your Aaron Nola thing. I wanted to ask this, and I just started thinking about this right now. Who would you say is better, Cole Hamels, Philly, or Aaron Nola? Ooh, I mean, Hamels, I think, was a, was more consistent when he was with Philly. I mean, he was – that's a legit ace when, when he was with Philly. And not to mention, like, when that whole squad that was surrounding him, like Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay and everybody, that was just – that was a gauntlet to deal with. So – I think when they're both on, I think it's close to a push between Hamels and Nola, but I think that Hamels was able to channel that a little bit more often. Is that about right? I think I would agree. I think Hamels I think Hamels is kinda we've almost forgotten just how good he was for like 
what that 2008 and up to about 2012 to 13 like we forget because they had Cliff Lee and because they had Roy Halladay like we forget just how good Hamels was Hamels was one of my least favorite pitchers to ever see on the docket against the Braves because it didn't matter how his season was going Every pitch he threw was a weapon. And when you look at Aaron Nola, there's some similarities with him and Max Freed uh, as far as they're both both of their best pitch is their curveball. Nola's is a little bit different. Nola's is more of a sweeping curve as opposed to that sharp vertical break that Freed normally frequents. And I think Nola throws his in the 80s. But when you're talking about pure talent level, I think Nola is right up there with that type of Hamels. And I bring that up because I, I do think Max Freed is, is – I think Cole Hamels is a good comparison for Max Freed. It's just it's fun to watch those guys, but we hated Cole Hamill so long for being a Philly, and I think Aaron Nola is going to find himself in that tier. Yeah, I mean he's scary, and and last night was a perfect example of why. You know, and and opening day only allowed two hits, only allowed one run, and Braves were able to get to him back in June, but that he was kind of mired in a slump, and then ever since that, you know the four starts ever since then that he's turned back into ace Nola. So Philly needs him. The Braves still have the lead right this second. Like like you had pointed out, we're recording this on Wednesday. So there's still two games left in the series to be played. Lead could be six and a half. Lead could be two and a half. But the Braves are still going to wind up having the lead. But down the stretch, they're still going to wind up being ten more matchups between these teams. And Nola's by far their best guy. Arietta can do some stuff and... and Zach Eflin and, and Pavetta, you know, they'll, they'll they'll flash they'll flash some stuff, but I mean Nola is a bona fide ace when he's on. So I just hope that the way the schedules line up, that we are able to miss him at least one of those subsequent series left that we we have to face them. But if he can be any type of weapon for them, then this division race is it's not over. I know that we're coasting into the all-star break and you know we're playing the marlins this weekend so there's a chance to pick up any ground that we might lose this weekend but i don't know still a long long season it's weird to think there's still 78 77 games left it kind of does maybe it's because everybody's like on pace for 40 homers which by the way count me in the camp that enjoys offense i think baseball fans in general uh tend to like to complain or like think the grass is greener on the other side because i remember three years ago when people were whining about the lack of home runs um but it it does feel like the season has taken longer this year than last year i'm not quite sure why uh but luckily for the braves they're not facing aaron nola tonight now they're they're facing nick pavetta tonight and it's a it's a weird season for pavetta in the offseason pavetta was just about everybody's favorite candidate for a big breakout because of that high spin rate curve throws decently hard and uh, before this season anyway, racked up a ton of strikeouts. Um, has not had a good season. It's good news for the Braves. The Braves hit Pavetta really well, usually. Uh, and it's a... what is this a rematch from the second game of the season, or the third game of the season? Bryce Wilson's going for the Braves tonight. Um, this will be his second time facing the Phillies. Is this the same matchup from the first week? Ask me that again in 15 seconds. I'm looking that up right now. I know that, that Wilson started the second one. I believe it is because I think Pavetta was no. I think it would have been Wilson and Arietta if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it might have been Pavetta and Kyle Wright. I don't know. It, it was it was Pavetta. It okay. was Nick Pavetta. So rematch. Uh, 
And for, for Bryce Wilson, the key for him today is going to be a lot like the key for him was in the Cubs start. And he was his line is a little bit deceptive. I thought he pitched very well in the Cubs game uh, until some really bad defense by Marcakis kind of derailed him, and it kind of derailed him hard after that. Uh, before Marcakis has miscued in the outfield, he was kind of breezing through that Cubs lineup, and that's a Cubs lineup that is not the same that we saw early in the season. We've seen what that Cubs team can do to pitchers. And with Bryce, I think last time out, I think we saw the best fastball I've ever seen from him, where he's hitting 97 and 98. And that's kind of Bryce's calling card this year. His fastball, yeah, his his average velo was close to 96. I, I saw him touch 98 a couple times. And his slider was gorgeous. He threw a couple. Like, the first one that I saw it was the Daniel Descalso, and I just, like, did a double take. Like, what? What is that? I, if he can... If he can hit 98 and still have that pitch right there, we, we've had the conversation about is he a starter, is he a reliever, and I still think he's a starter long term, but if he's only working with those two pitches, that is an elite, elite reliever right there. But but you're right, he looked so good going through the lineup, at, excuse me, he gave up the leadoff home run to Kyle Schwarber, and then had about three and a third, three and two thirds innings where he looked absolutely dominant and then it's so rare to have complaints about the defense on this team because all season long like top-notch absolutely top-notch defense and then Nick Marcakis makes his first error of the year and then it just kind of snowballs from there so anybody who's just stat line scouting probably has a much different opinion on how Bryce really looked during that start so this will be very very telling start for him facing the Phillies lineup, which is going to be different. It's got Jay Bruce in it now. It doesn't have Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I haven't seen the lineup tonight, so I'm not sure whether or not Real Muto is going to play because I know that his hamstring's been giving him what for. And catchers, you know, they need a little bit more time off because all the squatting and everything. So this could be huge. This could, and with Fulty being out, we need somebody to, to fill that role. Keuchel, he took the step forward last night. He looked like we hoped he would. Soroka is an all-star. We know he's amazing. Max Fried has had a couple really good starts in a row. So having somebody that you can reliably turn to as that fifth starter, I, I neglected to mention Julio. People have, have their opinions on him, which I will not influence. But having a guy like Bryce Wilson, even if he can just kind of eat some innings and stay in there and keep, keep the Braves in the game, he doesn't have to be spotless. He doesn't have to be unbelievable. But if he chose to, it would be fine if he was unbelievable. You know what I mean? I've had some people ask why why Bryce and not Kyle Wright getting called back up or Colby Allard get a chance or, or somebody else. And I think it's because the Braves feel confident in what they're going to get with Bryce Wilson. Um, he's not ha- He wasn't having the best season in Gwinnett. I think he's still an ERA over four down in AAA. Uh, but what he does, he does very well, and he does consistently. He's around the strike zone all the time. You mentioned his slider. And that's a good pitch, especially in strikeout counts. The problem is he can't consistently throw it for a strike right now. So if he tries to, he, he can't really throw it from behind in the count all that often, which kind of gives hitters a, a tip off. If he can start locating it for strikes more often, it becomes more effective. Uh, the difference for him is that changeup. If his changeup is working, then it's a great day for Bryce because the, the difference in his fastball and his changeup is significant. Um, if he's a two pitch guy, he's a bullpen guy. Uh, if that changeup continues to progress, he's a starter. But when you're when you're a guy like Bryce and you throw so many strikes and you're around the strike zone so much, you're going to have starts where they barrel you up. It's just going to happen. That's why every time I look at him and I see what he does, I think John Lackey, but with more like with a with better 
overall stuff. Like Lackey was an innings monster. He, I don't know if he ever had a season healthy where he wasn't at 200-plus innings. Uh, I, th- I think Bryce is kind of in that same mold. And it's really easy to forget that he's only 21 because of how fast he's flown up the system. But I, I think the Braves at least feel confident that he's going to be a guy that is going to give you the same type of performance most every game. No doubt. And as it pertains to Wilson versus Wright, if you go back and you look at Wilson's past couple starts leading up to it, he'd really, really done a good job of limiting the walks. You know, he, he is, uh, his walk rate was under two down at Gwinnett for the past, I'm not sure the exact number of starts, anywhere between six and eight starts. So uh, under two walks per nine and strikeouts staying consistent, velos up, movements up. With Wright, it's kind of hit or miss right now. And and Wright's last start, he had a really, really good outing. And it's hopefully something to build on. And, and I don't think anybody should be giving up on him. But yeah, as far as consistency from outing to outing, you're going to get that more from Bryce. And that's that's not to say that if Wright is able to fire off three or four really, really good starts in a row, like what he did last time out, then then we won't see him in Atlanta again. But there there's a little bit of a pecking order. He's got... Yeah, he still has to leapfrog Fulty, who also had a really good start. Hopefully, he can figure figure out whatever he needs to do down there. You mentioned Colby Allard. Colby has been really, really good the past couple starts. He's he's got uh, got his velo back, and then there's Kevin Gossman to deal with. So this is Bryce's chance to plant his flag. And when every you know, let's say things go right with Fulty and Gossman, to where he can stand there and say, "Look, I've done what I need to do." If you got to send somebody else down, you've got to send Chad Sabatka down and send me to the bullpen, then by all means do it because I've proven that I belong here. So huge start tonight. I'm, I will be watching it like a hawk. It, it is a big start for all those reasons you listed, but you just brought up Fulty. His, his first start back in uh, Gwinnett goes seven and two-thirds, eight strikeouts, only one walk, two earned runs, five hits. And that, that's a really good start for Fulty. I didn't see it, so I didn't see the body language, but just assuming from the line that it was pretty good. Um, I've also had a few people at the radio station asking me today about whether or not they thought he would be called up quick. Like if this if this was going to be like a, a two start stint and then he's back up, I don't think it will be. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a longer stint for Fulty. I think it's going. I think the Braves are going to be very very sure when they bring him back up because there's no real point to rushing him back right now. As you could tell before he went down, he wasn't. It wasn't like even him hurt or hurt or whatever he was was keeping you in games. Like he was getting blasted, uh, and there there wasn't there's not much reason to rush him back if he's just going to be throwing at the level he was. Any of the young guys can do that same level of stuff. I would not be shocked if you see Fulty down there for four or five starts. Agreed. I think he needs. He's got all the talent in the world. You saw last year what he can be, but he's lost right now. And that that start seven and two thirds. Two earned runs, eight strikeouts, only one walk. That would be one of his best starts of the year. And you hate it that he had to do it against the AAA lineup, but there's a lot going on there. And it's it's not as simple as, oh, he just needs to go and see a sports psychologist. I mean, I've seen that particular phrase kicked around, God, a hundred, a thousand times. And yeah, he's got some body language stuff, but it's not just as simple as going to talk to somebody. Anybody who's been 
through actual therapy, not even sports therapy, can tell you that it's not just as simple as going and talking to somebody. You know, it's uh, there's a lot going on there. So hopefully he can through the playoff push. The Braves are going to need him. They they really they really are. And if let's see the trade deadline is in 28 days, so there's an opportunity to supplement the rotation with somebody who's a little more proven. Got you know Bryce. Could be the guy, but maybe he's not. Kyle Wright could be the guy, but maybe he's not. So whether it's Fulty or Gossman comes back or they wind up going out and getting a Zach Wheeler or, heaven forbid, they get Madison Bumgarner, um, there's time. There's time to kind of suss this out and figure out what what exactly the, the most pressing need is. So I hope they keep him down there. They let him get his get his confidence back and get his... That swagger back. I, I referenced him strutting around like a peacock probably 40 times last year. And that's that's how you know he's feeling it, you know? he's He's got it. It's, it is in the body language. So keep him down there for four or five starts. Let him figure it out. Let him get his location back. Because the velo was kind of there, but his location was just abysmal for a while. Yeah, no, the velo wasn't the problem. I do think the body language was the bigger part of it because Snit flat out, called him out in the media, and that's not Snit's way. Uh, so I think the body language was pissing off Brian Snicker, for lack of a better term. And I think this is something they want to see him do it sustained. So I don't think they want to just bring him up after one or two good starts. They want to see him sustain good starts. And I think it's a good idea. It's bad for Fulty because we talked about it before the season even really started, the rash of extensions that was getting thrown around. Uh, and pretty much we were like, all right, Fulty's probably next. Aaron Nola got $10 million per, so that's a pretty good idea for Fulty, right? This year could not have gone any worse for Fulty in terms of an, expecting an extension. Yeah, and I I was driving that train. I was all about it, and I can't tell you how glad I am now that they just kind of pumped the brakes on that. So when when we got to talking about it a lot, it was before the, the stuff about his uh, the bone spurs really came out, so probably a good thing and and he could wind up getting some but he no doubt he has cost himself a bunch of money now speaking of extensions you and i also talked way early this season and maybe right before the season started about another player who deserved one and i think you and i can both agree that freddie freeman should be getting an extension call any day now i hope so you know they they locked up acuna they locked up albies They've they've got the core in place. Dansby's coming at some point. You know they probably want to want to see it through the rest of this year to make sure that he keeps up the production. But he's been perfect guy to have in the number two spot between Acuna and Freeman. And having that core, just having everybody locked down and knowing that everybody's going to be together for a long time, that's important. And especially for somebody like Freddie, who you know you've got to have these guys that are your face of the franchise. Freddie's earned it. On the field, off the field, he's been the, the perfect brave ever since this this entire rebuild started, and we just we are so lucky to have him. So back up the Brinks truck for him, give him all of the money. That goofy so I just God, I just love Freddie Freeman so much, and it seems so cliche. We just expect we just expect him to go out and hit three hundred with twenty five bombs and come through in the clutch and play great defense at first. Like there aren't a lot of great defensive first basemen, and the fact that he's you know, six five, and he's he's built like a tree. He's got these super massive limbs that he makes his infield better. He makes the lineup. He makes everything better. So, just 
give him whatever he wants. Keep him here forever. Do not let him leave. If he, if I have to look at Freddie Freeman in like a Cardinals uniform, or if he goes and he plays for the Twins, and I like the Twins, don't don't make me look at that. Have him be chipper, entire career, start to finish, Braves forever. And I think that's what it is. And uh, he's also having a career year so far. Uh, I, I still stick by what we were originally talking about. A five and one forty, I think, would be. Uh, the extension of choice should Freddie not give a hometown discount, and I don't, I don't take hometown discounts into account when I make one. But twenty-eight million per year, I think, would be a good number for him. Uh, it's right around where Bryce Harper's making, and so far to this point in their careers, they're almost dead even in terms of value. Uh, I, I think that Freddie is most assuredly going to be like Chipper and, and a Brave forever. I don't think there's any way they let him get away from the Braves. So I think it's, I think it's about time to reward that loyalty and. Um, make Freddie one of the highest paid players in baseball like he deserves to be. And the way that his game is built, you know, he's not he's not a speed guy. You don't have to, like Ender, you know, you don't have to worry about his value declining because because he's got old legs or anything like that. He, he's so special at the plate. Like his approach is one of a kind. His swing is so different. He reads pitchers so differently than, than anybody that's um, that's in the game right now, aside from maybe like Joey Votto, which is not to say that he's the best hitter in the game, but he's so specialized. He's so he's such a particular hitter. I'm I'm not touching the the word that I want, but I think I think you know the intent of what I'm saying. Hey, he's so just, unique. He's just he's a unique player. There's not really anybody that does it the same way he does, from the bat rap to the choking up to just the way he goes about it. He's a truly unique first baseman, and I he will definitely retire as a Brave. Uh, well. Yeah, he will definitely retire as a Brave. I'm going to go on record. I've gone on record for crazier things, so I'm going to go on record for this. He's going to retire as a Brave. But speaking of retiring as a Brave, there's a few other players that we all can fondly dream of retiring as Braves. Uh, We're going to talk about the All-Star selections, the Home Run Derby, a little bit more coming up next right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. All right. We talked about all the the bigger big league stuff. Let's talk about the All-Star game for a little bit. Uh, the Home Run Derby will be Monday night. And I don't know about you, Doc, but this is the most excited I think I've ever been for a Home Run Derby. Now, it's not my idea of pitchers home run derby. So you can see guys like Zach Greinke go out and mash like as many home runs as possible. Uh, but this is a close second. When you look at the field in this home run derby, and it's still not all the way confirmed. I think Friday there's going to be uh, a confirmation, and, and you'll see the um, uh, what do they call it? You'll you'll see the field. But for right now, just the names that you've got right now, I'm so excited. Yeah, I, and it'd be hard not to be. I mean, it's exciting because we've got Acuna in there. You know that that's our guy. Like even last year when when Freddie. Was a was in the home run derby. I think we all kind of knew that he wasn't going to wind up taking the title home just because 
the uniqueness of his profile, which we which we touched on in the last segment, but Acuna's got a real shot. He's a he's the most slight out of all of these guys, you know. So I think people look at him and they're like, oh, the fact that he's got twenty home runs through eighty six games might be a little bit of a fluke. He's he's tracking towards having forty, but he puts on a show. We know it, but like this is this is the chance for him to do it in front of a national audience, and with names like. Pete Alonso, who is a freak of nature, Vlad Guerrero Jr., also a freak of nature, Josh Bell, Carlos Santana, and Christian Yelich, who it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's going to hit 50-55. Like, he's, he's got the ability to flirt with 60 this year. This is going to be awesome. And the, the format, the way they've got it now, is with the timer and everything, last year it was so much fun to watch. Like, Valerie has has no interest in a home run derby. But I had it on last year, and she got sucked into it. She was glued to it by, by the end of it. So that's a really interesting way to attract people outside of just, you know, baseball nerds like you and me and whoever's listening to us right now. And it's my favorite type. My biggest thing is to have all the young guys in there. I would have been fine if it was nothing but rookies in here because all the rookies seem to be monster mashers. But, like... The way that they've got this going, this is so good for for getting young fans in here. Like Pete Alonso is going to put on an incredible show, and you mentioned the field that they've got right now. That's not even finished. the The rumors are Shohei Otani has said that he wants to do the home run derby. He's just waiting for an invite. Fran Mil Reyes from the Padres wants to do the derby, just waiting for an invite. Joey Gallo has has turned it down before because he was hitting like two fifteen, um, but this year now that he's actually not striking out. 50% of the time, if you could get him to do it. Could you imagine Joey Gallo versus Pete Alonso? Forget about it, dude. That's like, I would pay $50 to watch that. You know, that's that's unbelievable. And, oh, man. Just, it's so exciting. Like, it, and a guy like Fran Mil Reyes, I mean, his nickname is the Franimal. That dude, he is a monster. Just a monster of a human being. You could basically pick anybody from the Twins and, and put them put them in this. I mean, it doesn't matter who you wind up having in the seven seven and eight slots on this. I mean, it's it's gonna be awesome. Gallo, I would love to see. I know that Javi Baez just pulled out. He's another one that I'd love to see. Sticking with the Cubs, I'd love to see Chris Bryant in there. There's there's a lot of really really good options. And people have their opinions on the juice ball and what it does. It's gonna make this home run derby real real interesting. Dude, I can't wait. You've already seen on Twitter Vlad Jr. preparing for the Home Run Derby. If it were up to me, I'd have Austin Riley, Michael Chavis, Jordan Alvarez, Eloy, everybody in there. I want to see Eloy because I want to see if he can Roy Hobbs a Major League light. Uh, but I, I, I'm I, more excited for the Home Run Derby than the actual All-Star game. And with the million-dollar prize on hand, they definitely need to keep that because that's going to be an actual incentive for a lot of these guys, especially these young guys who aren't getting paid a million dollars yet. I, I cannot wait. Right now in this field, if you had to take one person, who are you taking to win it? I got Pete Alonzo. I just seeing what he can do. I mean, he's he's not hitting wall scrapers. He's hitting four hundred and sixty foot home runs, like one hundred and fifty miles per hour off the bat regularly. And in a in a BP scenario, I just you know the thing about Vlad, he's got he's got the power, but hit, for him it's the hit tool. For Acuna. He's got the power, but for him, it's the overall versatility. For Alonzo, yeah, he can hit, but the dude has Dan Ugla's forearms. He's a mountain of a person. He just, I see 
I see him taking it home. What about you? Do you do you think Alonzo or are you going somebody else? I would agree Alonzo or Yelich because Yelich is so long that he can leverage every time he swings. Um, so it, it's not going to take quite as much. I think he'll. I think his swing is a little bit more compact. So I think he's he's equipped for the timer type. Uh, sometimes those guys that mash the 470, 480, they hit the ball so high that it, it can sometimes ruin some of their time a little bit. Uh, I do think Alonso is going to win. Uh, but as far as Acuna goes, I think Acuna will show well. But I don't think his swing, his his setup is necessarily guaranteed for this. Don't get me wrong, Acuna has massive power, but it's all built on bat on bat speed and explosion. So when you're talking about a timed event, and all you're doing is swinging as hard as you can, I think he might get tired. Same thing for Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. takes monster hacks at everything. I don't think Alonso has to take big hacks. He's going to, but I don't think he has to, and I don't think Yelich has to either, just because he's so long to be able to leverage the ball out of here. Now, if Gallo and Fran Mil Reyes come in as well, and Shohei Otani, I think I would pick Gallo to win it, just because that's kind of what he does, but Fran Mil Reyes would be a tough person to bet against. Yeah, that's he's that's special. I mean, he's got 24 home runs playing in Petco Park. That's that's not easy, man. That, that's that is really really difficult to do. So, I hope I hope that he winds up in there just just for the show. I mean, it would be great to see Acuña win cuz he's our guy, but this is, you know, they're going to wind up hitting like 40 miles worth of home runs and <laughs> even even for anybody that doesn't like watching the Home Run Derby, if you didn't watch last year, watch this year. It It's really interesting the way they do it with the timer. I know Braves fans were mad that Bryce Harper won in the fashion that he won. They said that he cheated like you can actually cheat in a Home Run Derby. But it's like it's thrilling because like the it's not just hit more than the other guy. It's hit more than the other guy in this allotted time frame. So he's hitting one after the other after the other after the other. So... Uh, we say this, and it'll wind up being Carlos Santana, and he's going to wind up getting another million dollars. He's the richest person uh, on on this entire uh, in this entire panel. So the the million dollar prize will wind up being all for naught. But you brought up the pitchers' home run derby. That's the way to go, right there. This is cool. There's a, there's a lot of talk about you know ruining swings, which you know maybe I guess, but like. It's not going to matter if you get, like, Madison Bumgarner. I don't want him, the Braves to go out and get him, but I would love to see him in a home run derby. Shohei Otani, I don't really think, could qualify in, the, in that scenario. He's got a little bit of a cheat there. Um, but, yeah, for moving forward, if they if they decide to change things up a little bit, that's, that's something that I would really like to see. See, I would do where it's one pitcher from every team, and it doesn't have to be a starter. It can be whoever you pick. So, like, the Braves would send Max Freed. Uh, obviously, the, Zach Granke from the Diamondbacks, Michael Lorenzen from the Reds. Uh, that that would be a ton of fun. I, I would have so much fun watching that. Uh, I, I hope that eventually that comes to pass. How about this one for an idea? And this is just one of these crazy Dylan ideas. I would love to see every team hold an event for fans where they have a little competition at the Major League Ballpark, maybe with a metal bat, but one fan from each team competes in a fan home run derby as well. Like I think that would be so cool and it would it would really involve so many people in the home run derby. That is a really interesting idea. 
Would you uh, would you go and participate in that? Are you kidding me? That's half the reason I thought of that. You see, I would I would be your guy with the towel and the Gatorade and everything. You know what I mean? I'd be your I'd be your hype man for that because you know I couldn't even hit one out of the infield. But uh, but no, for for a game that struggles to market itself, to have that level of uh, interaction with the fans, that's cool. That's a really good idea. I think it would be a lot of fun. Not to say that I'd win. There's some big old dudes in Georgia that are Braves fans, but it would be a lot of fun to do. And I think it'd be good for for Major League Baseball because if we're being frank, the only professional team whose all-star events are looked at below baseball is football. And that's because literally nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Uh, But it's still more highly viewed. It's more highly viewed than any baseball game besides like the World Series, which is insane to me. Like NBA All Stars, everybody loves watching the NBA, the, the, the dunk contest, the three point contest. I think it'd be cool. I think it's a good way for baseball to, to continue itself. Uh, but I see something on the show sheet here. Uh, should mention the Braves have two starters in the All Star game and one reserve. Kind of a far cry from like the eight we were halfway expecting last week. Uh, but you get Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman who are starting, and Mike Soroka makes the cut as well. I don't think any of us are surprised by that. Um, did you think anybody from the Braves got snubbed? I was so disappointed that Ozzy didn't make it as a reserve, and and I get it. Cattell Marte. I even said last week that uh, I didn't think that Marte was going to get it just because I thought that Atlanta fans were, were going to be a little more passionate about um, getting our guys in, even even with Marte clearly having the better season. So he deserved it, but I just, I guess I had my blinders on and I expected Ozzy to make it in. And, uh, you know, I sent out a tweet about, you know, would somebody please explain to me how it didn't make it? And it was a classic example of the, the life cycle of a tweet where a lot of people were like, yeah, we're mad. Ozzy's our guy. And then a couple days later, it was like, or a couple hours, it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe there were some other guys. And then three days later, I got people from other fan bases that trotted in and they're basically telling me that I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And I'm just a homer. I'm like, okay, uh, it's, it's time to just hide this one from everybody. Dear God. So, but he was, he was really the only one. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Trevor's story is injured right now, so they're going to wind up uh, replacing him, I think. So it's possible Dansby winds up sliding in there. Uh, they, they just announced the reserves for the uh, for the AL. You know, Tommy Lestella's out, and uh, Hunter Pence is not going to be able to make it, so they just did that for the AL. I'm not sure when they're doing that for the NL. So it might not be over yet, and more than anything, I just want to see, uh, you know, I said I would be your Gatorade and towel guy for, for the Home Run Derby. I want to see Ozzy being that for Acuna during the during the home run derby. That's the, the main reason why, why I want to see him there. Oh, I don't think they could keep him away. Even if he's not an all-star, I think he'd still he'd rush the field. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to say anybody got snubbed. Um, Cattell Marte has had – he's on pace for 40 homers. He's had an amazing season. Yeah. Um, Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung has had a great season as well. Trevor Story had been great. Uh, th- there's been a lot of good players in the National League. I mean, Manny Machado didn't make it. Manny Machado's got like 20 homers already. Um, Bryce Harper didn't make it, and I know Atlanta fans like to, to laugh and jeer and boo at Bryce Harper, um, but Bryce Harper has been worth about two war already this 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 half of the season. He's on pace for a four-war year. Um, there, there's been a lot of good play, so I don't know that I'd call any of it a snub. I do think Dansby would be more likely to get the reserve spot over Ozzy, uh, just because I think shortstops are always going to be valued by the all-star coaches 
a little bit more than second baseman, unless that second baseman is like Jose Altuve or Brandon Lau. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think that they'll, they'll want to keep it a, a one-for-one swap with the position. So Dansby's probably the, the best bet. I, I don't think uh, McCann is going to wind up skating in or, or Marquegas is going to wind up getting, uh, getting an honorary um, selection or anything like that. So Dansby is, is our last great hope there. So, so we'll see. You know, we'll find out sometime in the next couple days. Hopefully we won't have the, the curse of we're recording this on Wednesday and then something happens on Thursday. We, we look like fools through no fault of our own, at least, you know, in this category. Yeah. And, um, looks like, uh, uh, Soroka, I'm sorry. Soroka's not going to pitch on Sunday. Keiko's pitching Sunday. So that actually means he's going to be lined up to be able to actually pitch in the All-Star game, which is amazing. Yeah, that's that's cool. We talked in a uh, little bit earlier about Acuña being able to show out on the on the national stage and I think for Soroka this is going to be huge too. Every, everybody knows Freddie Freeman. Even even if he's underappreciated, everybody kind of knows the knows the the legacy of Freddie, but for our two 21-year-olds that are going to show up, I think that's really great. I don't think he's going to get the start. I think it's going to be uh, Ryu, but but still having Soroka in there and actually pitching against you know Mike Trout and George Springer and everybody like wow. <laughs> I remember the the minute that Mike Soroka got drafted. What a cool cool thing to see how how far he's come and uh and this is the first of many for him and and for Acuña as well. I'm I'm hoping anyway. And it won't be too much longer before the Braves might have a couple more guys who are about to join them. When you look at Baseball America's uh what is it their 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 new rankings that just came out. Christian Pache's jumped all the way up to number 30. Drew Waters way up to number 38. Ian Anderson sitting at 28. Uh, just just focusing on Pache and Waters for right now. What Christian Pache has done this year has been so incredible. And we talk about it all the time. But it's because it, it deserves it. You don't often see a guy that has that good an offensive season while supplying the type of defense that he routinely gives you. People... You almost have to choose one between Pache and Waters, and I guess I guess we're no different. And and people have asked before, like why why we're so big on him, and some of the claims that you and I have both made. I mean, we were there at the Futures game when he hit two home runs off of Sean Newcomb, and those were the first professional home runs that he hit. And we both just kind of turned and looked at each other, like, um, okay, well, you know that power that everybody's been talking about. It looks like he's starting to tap into it. You know, and last year he hit nine through 140 games or so, and now he's got 11 through 75 games. The stuff that everybody saw was possible is is happening now. Like the defense, the speed, the arm has been 70 since he was a teenager, and now he's 20 years old. Baseball America is the outlet that's been the the most conservative on him, and it was only at the within the last couple months that he started to, to get that publicity. So he was in the back of the top hundred. And then he, every time they release an update at the beginning of the month, then he's higher and higher and higher. Fangraphs has him as the 14th ranked prospect in baseball. And so does pipeline. So the fact that BA is starting to, to catch up with the rest of them, as far as being really bullish on him. I mean, I could not be more excited. I mean, this is like a Cunha level excitement for me. This guy is, so very special, and he's he fits like, and you saw it in spring training too. Like seeing him immediately 
getting in that same click with Acuna and Ozzy and Camargo. It's like he's built to be on this team, and it's got to just be a matter of time before he's up in AAA. And when he gets to that AAA ball, he's going to turn into Barry Bonds. I'm telling you, he's... <laughs> oh, it's going to be a show. It's going to be such a show. And I, and I love Drew Waters, too. You can't discount what he's doing. But as far as being all-around player, I think Pache is the guy. He's so special. Oh, I totally agree. Not only not only is he going to get the triple A baseball, which is the MLB baseball, he's going to be leaving Trustmark. So he's going to have like 15 homers just in Gwinnett alone. Uh, I think you're right. He's definitely going up this year. And um, the, when he goes up, might have more to do with one of two players in Gwinnett maybe getting promoted. And you mentioned this one in the first segment. Travis Demerit has... And I don't want to say quietly because to, to Braves fans, you're starting to see updates from him every night. But as far as nationally goes, he hasn't been talked about. Travis Dimmerin has had a huge season. He spent two years in Trustmark. He, it was like he was spinning his wheels. You know, his strikeout percentage was always too high. The power was there, but the, the hit tool kind of wasn't. He was being mishandled on defense, like like I touched on before. Like he was he was a plus defender at second, and then they moved him to third, and now he's playing the outfield. So he kind of fits that same profile that they're trying to get out of Camargo. Even even if he's um, even if he's sticking in the outfield, he's still got that infield ability. But the question was always, is he going to be able to hit, and is he going to be able to keep the strikeouts down enough to where he can tap into the tool? For anything meaningful. So this year, he's hitting over 300. He's OPSing 1,000. He's playing great defense. And maybe it's just getting out of trust mark. Maybe it's just playing with the, the AAA ball. But, I mean, I believe in him now. And, like, I never truly believed in him before because they traded him for, you know, Lucas Harrell was good for, like, seven weeks. The Braves traded him for Demerit. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you're not going to get any meaningful prospect for Lucas Harrell and come to find out now he's starting to figure it out. Like I just, I believe. And so next year you look at the outfield. I don't think Enciarte is going to still be around. I don't think Marquecas is going to wind up coming back. So you have an opening in the outfield. And if they want to keep Pache and keep him in triple a and kind of let him season just a little bit more instead of just rushing him to the show, I think Demerit could show up and, and do some damage now. He's got the strikeouts a bunch, too. He had a 35-36 game on base streak early this season. I mean, it's this is big stuff going on down here. I'm not the only one, right? Like You believe in him, too, don't you? Yeah, and I never thought I would. Uh, I, I'm Usually, I'm deathly against guys that strike out 30% or more. Um, but it fits in this day's in this day and age. And if Demerit does come up to the big league club, his strikeouts are going to climb again. It's just the difference between the AAA pitchers and the MLB pitchers. Um, but it's everything else. It's the the defense. He's a really good defender at second. Uh, he's got more than enough arm to play third. He's came up as a shortstop, so at least theoretically you could throw him there too. He was a bad defender there, but he's at least done it before. And he can play in the outfield as well. Uh, he's actually one of the reasons why I think the and this I don't want to say this, but I'm gonna to have to. I think that's one of the reasons why the Braves may entertain trading Camargo because I think Camargo would get you a lot of value to a team that views him as a starter, and 
and this all hinges on how Snicker would use Camargo. If they're not convinced that Snicker would use Camargo in a super utility role, it would make more sense to extract higher value and get like a, a, a starting pitcher or a, a elite type of closer and have Demerit be another utility guy on the bench along with Culberson. I, I am a fan of what I'm seeing from Demerit. The baseball is not going to be any different from AAA to Major League Baseball. The biggest difference is going to be the off-speed. Now, I haven't seen him in person, so I don't know how he looks against off-speed, but he's got to look a lot better than he did previously. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about batting average as a stat, it's going up like 70 points. And this is with him getting promoted a level. So... Remains to be seen, you know, there, there's still two months or so left of, of AAA season, so you never know. And he is going to have to be added to the 40-man at, at the end of this year because he was left exposed for the Rule 5 this past year and nobody took him. Somebody's going to take him now. Like, if I'm the Orioles or the Royals or somebody, I'm, I've got my eye on him, like, now. So they're going to have to do something with him, and maybe, maybe sometime in the next couple weeks... Somebody says, hey, who's this Who's this Travis Demerit kid that you've got in AAA? And maybe he could be used as a trade piece. So, I don't know. He, he hasn't found his way into any of the, the prospect lists again. He was uh, he was ranked as high as number nine in the Brave system. And this is this is once the system got good. So, it, it wasn't just a victim of like being behind Jose Peraza. Um, so, he, he's got some pedigree in there. He's been highly ranked before, so... When Pipeline and everybody winds up doing their organizational re-rank, I think he, he might find himself, even if it's in the back of the top 30, but this <laughs> Braves have so many prospects, man. It's it's amazing. Like The fact that they're able to keep it going, too. Copy talked about the waves. They're, we got a wave that's in on the big league club now that has already graduated. There's another wave that's coming on the tail end of that. And now, with this past draft that we had... There's another wave that's coming, like it's kind of filled that void from the international sanctions. So it might not be as noticeable of a gap as we as we thought it would have been at some point. Yeah, speaking of those international sanctions, sad day is the Athletics signed Robert Poisson, the guy that got us busted, uh, super stud shortstop, and the Yankees get Jason Dominguez, who's flipping Mike Trout. Latin Mike Trout or whatever. I don't I don't know. I'm just mad about everything about that. Uh we should mention though the uh the high school signings. Uh we got a few more that just signed Joey Estes, signed for five hundred thousand. What was he? The fifteenth round pick, I believe? Fifteenth uh, or seventeenth. Fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in there, yeah. Tyler Owens is signed now for five hundred and forty seven. Uh Vaughn Grissom at three hundred and fifty. Uh let's see. Caden Morton at 447, and that's one of my favorites. I love Caden Morton. Um, Michael Harris has been absolutely killing it down there. Uh, he's going to get promoted to Rome here soon. The way that they went about it, I, I know that, that a lot of people were really upset about the way that they approached the draft, and, and this is why I was kind of imploring people, don't don't get too caught up about what you see in the first couple picks because the, the Major League draft isn't like any other draft. But when you start looking at the bonuses that they gave out in rounds 11 through 19, you know, with you have the ability to subtract the first 125,000 from the bonuses that they're getting. So they were giving out basically third, fourth, fifth round size bonuses to these guys, but they were able to do it at a discounted rate. They were really smart about how they did this. And 
this draft was not particularly robust at the top. It was a really weird year to have have multiple top-end picks. So the, the Diamondbacks went for it because they were in a position to do so. But when you look at a team like the Braves or even like the Dodgers, who had, had a couple picks up at the top, they needed to do something that was going to allow them to get creative. And the Braves saved themselves, like with the, these guys that you just mentioned and uh, Isaiah Johnson or Jared Johnson, I still don't know what his real name is. Uh, think four, 14th round pick, he wound up getting 257000 Like with these guys, they were able to lock down a bunch of really, really solid talents and save six hundred grand in the process. And this isn't even including the idea that they may or may not be able to sign Makai Backstrom, who we talked about last week with Garav. Really, really smart approach. Really, really interesting. I love what they did with this draft. And like I said, this fills in a giant gap that they had so they can get back on the regular schedule of when the draft rolls around next year. They're, they're not having to just kind of put Band-Aids on stuff and patch everything together. Really, really solid draft for me. I, I'm starting to like it a little bit more and more, especially now that Braden Shoemake has uh, has really been tearing the cover off the ball. Oh I haven't seen Langoliers. I haven't seen Langoliers line lately, but uh, anytime a guy gets to skip a level entirely, and Shoemake and Langoliers did both. So uh, so far, so good on those return. I know Bo Allen hit a homer. I don't know. I couldn't tell you if that's been the only hit he's had or not. Um, but so far, so good for them. And um, hopefully, they continue to rise. Braden, we know you're listening because you. Have followed along on the podcast. Can't wait to get you on. Make sure you're listening. Jump, come on the show. Um, tell your buddy Shay. No pressure. But, uh, <laughs> no pressure. Uh, we'll, we'll still continue to follow him no matter what. Uh, but definitely come on. Uh, before we before we close out today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Something we haven't done in a while. I think we really wanted to do an extra innings. So I know we don't have a guest. We're going to do one anyway. Yeah, this is the first time we've ever done an extra innings segment, uh, just, just the two of us back and forth. You know, you and I will ask, ask each other questions like this uh, fairly often, but we've never done it on the show. So um, I will let you kick it off. All right. First question, Doc. What is a food that you used to love but you'll never eat again? I think for me, it's probably Twizzlers. Um, I've talked about my buddy Andrew Provine on this show. He was uh, still still one of my best friends. He was a groomsman, a roommate, bandmate, former coworker. Uh, we were on our way back from seeing fish once upon a time, and uh, I eat pretty healthy anymore. But I went through a phase with Twizzlers, where uh, I just you know. I was just eating them all the time, and I offered him one, and he said, "No, I think I've had enough candle wax for the day." And it was at that exact moment that I realized he was exactly right. I have not eaten one Twizzler since, and that was almost seven years ago. I will never, ever eat another. <laughs> so, what about you? That's hard. I actually eat more stuff now than I did when I was young. I used to be a pickier eater because my dad is an extremely picky eater. So, growing up, there's a lot of stuff. But, I don't know. I used to like pickles. Like dill pickles or even some uh, some spicy pickles. Now, if I have a pickle on my sandwich or like if I open up the bun, even at Chick Fil A, I always have to get no pickle. If I open the bun and I see a pickle seed, like I, I almost want to vomit. Uh, yeah, I, I've come a long way with my with my food taste and over the past couple of years. And there are a couple things that I've never made it on. Pickles are definitely one. Like, and if you order something with no pickles. 
you can absolutely tell if there used to be pickles on there and they just took them off. No, 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 no. Get, get them. I want something fresh. Forget about it. Same thing with horse. Like as soon as, as as soon as it's on there, like it just soaks up into the taste of it, like automatically. Oh yeah. It could touch for like half a second. Yeah, I can feel the pickles in my bloodstream. I'm not interested in that at all. So that that's a good one, actually. So what is a what is an album that you thought you were gonna hate, but you wound up loving? Then this could be by a by a band that you uh, that you like, or a band that you hate, or whatever. Okay. Um... This is going to be a little bit more of an obscure one, but um, there's a band called Memphis May Fire. They're more of a metalcore band, so I don't know how many of you out there actually listen to them. Um, but their album, Challenger. I loved Memphis May Fire when they first came out. Uh, by about the second album, though, I realized that everything they do sounds literally exactly the same. Uh, and Challenger's no different. Every song on it sounds essentially the same. There's like two songs that have a different chord structure. But it was a really good album nonetheless. And I bought the album, which in this day should tell you everything. I actually bought the physical copy. Uh, and I, I still listen to it now. Huh. I think, um, I think you recommended them to me once upon a time. And I listened to a couple different tracks. And I can verify you are correct. Most of their stuff sounds very similar to most of their other stuff. They found their niche and they stuck with it. No, I mean, some some bands will go and they'll try and reinvent themselves after every single album, which is a very brave thing to do. But in a lot of cases, you know, you hit lightning in a bottle once, you just ride that until, <laughs> until you kind of well, can't anymore. Breaking Benjamin is kind of like that. Like, all their albums are, are a little bit of a different sound, but every song on those albums is the exact same. Yeah, the uh, I think that everything that I've, I've ever heard from them that uh, that went up on the radio was, was had a very, very similar feel. So what about you? I have kind of a complicated relationship with Bono from U2. I, <laughs> I find him to be just... I mean, his humanitarian work is is really great to see, and there need to be more people like that who are benevolent and trying to make a difference. The problem is, I think he's a massive tool, so I've never been able to really get into their catalog. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw them. I saw them in concert once upon a time. I had a guy who was like, "Hey, I can't go to this. Uh, I have some really good seats. I'll sell them to you for twenty dollars a piece." I'm like, "Okay, I got." I got twenty dollars. It says I'll go see you too, and they they played like a bunch of the the hits in a row. It was like Bullet the Blue Sky and Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For and When the Streets Have No Name and everything. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. And then he went off on this long winded rant about how it's our job to to save the children, and they're like showing homeless, starving kids in Africa on the jumbotron. And I'm like, dude, you own an airplane. Your <laughs> your leather jacket costs sixty grand. It's you are in a better position to help these kids than me. But because of all of that, they have this album called Pop, and I don't even know how exactly I came across I think maybe a buddy of mine recommended it to me, and I'm like, you're okay. And I put it on, and it is freaking spectacular. It is really so, it's like devoid of the pretension that comes with some of that stuff, just the general Bonoism of it all. So for me, it's Pop by U2. So pretty far cry from Memphis May Fire, but uh, you know. Everybody's doing. I right. hate every. I hate everything about you two. I hate them so much. <laughs> no, trust me, I get it. The lead singer is the worst part. He he really can sing his ass off though. He's so good. 
He, he really. I don't it. like him. I don't like his accent. I don't like their music. I don't like any of it. Well, the fact that their guitarist refers to himself as the Edge. That's kind of a killer for me. I, yes, like I want to punch him. Like I would like to hit him in the face with the edge of his guitar. Yeah, I mean he's very good with his effects, but uh, I think we got about four minutes left to get through three questions. So I'm going. And Mr. To- the, Mr. The. <laughs> if I handed you, by the way, we'll move on to the next question. If I handed you a Rubik's cube, Doc, how long is it going to take you to solve it? You know, I actually got really ambitious with that once. I bought one. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this. I wanted to know how to do this since the 80s. And it's been sitting on my desk looking exactly the same for about <laughs> two years. So uh, the answer is at least two years. Have you ever done one before? Have, have you ever solved one? I have, actually. Uh, really? I did the same thing as you. I got one because I was like, I can solve that. I'm smart. Um, I did actually solve it. Uh, weird thing about me, smart enough to solve a, a Rubik's Cube, too dumb to realize that there's a pattern to solving it. Um, <laughs> that like once you like you can memorize it and always figure it out. Once I solved it the first time, it's like awesome. And then it kind of lost like all value to me because I solved it. So if you were to hand me one now, I could solve it again. But you're probably talking about like a three or four hour adventure. Man, I mean, there's you can go online and they'll they'll lay out the patterns for you. I was trying like I looked at it. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to do this on my own. You know, you do one thing and then you undo it three moves later. So, you know, and there's certain things like you need to have the same colors on the corners or something. Like I said, it's it's been a really long time since I did this, but like I gave up. Like I I got I don't want to say I have better things to do, but I just have different things to do. So one day I'll get it before I die. So what is a what is an inconsequential hill that you are totally willing to die on? Oh man, there are so many. Uh, how to narrow down? You go first on this one because I got to narrow down from like twenty five. Uh, I deal with this every year. Um, Doc Ellis did not throw a no hitter on LSD. I guarantee it. It never happened. <laughs> it never happened. It's impossible. Okay, I'm not trying to divulge too much about my past, but um, I. I took some LSD once. I forgot my middle name. I got lost in my house. Okay, my focus was good for about eight or nine seconds. So if you're gonna tell me that Doc Ellis ate some LSD and really threw a no hitter, forget about it, dude. Don't believe the hype. It is a lie. People have been trying to tell me my entire like. Yes, I've seen the documentary. It's a lie. It's all a lie. It's impossible. This is my inconsequential hill. He did. Okay, I got one that's going to make you very, very angry, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Led Zeppelin is a completely overrated band, and they lacked all artistic integrity. Uh, <laughs> <Nuh-uh>. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> no, that's true. They stole so many songs, and not just not just "Stairway to Heaven," which they totally ripped off from Spirit. Um, <laughs> and they've they've had to pay out multiple times to other bands. For stealing songs. Uh, Robert Plant has a horrible voice. Jimmy Page is one of the most overrated guitarists of all time. Just because he played a double guitar does not mean that he was as good as any blues guitarist from like the 1960s on forward. You are so far out of line right now. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not You're out of line. Oh my god. Oh, we're gonna... It's like telling me that Eddie Van Halen is actually a top five guitarist of all time. Wait, what? Is that again? 
It's like saying that Eddie Van Halen is a top five guitarist of all time. It's just not true. Oh, no. He's incredibly creative, but it's, you know, no. No. Oh, Dylan. Damn it, man. I don't. We're going to have to revisit the Zeppelin conversation. I, you asked for my hill. This yeah, is my hill. Well, you are, you are going <laughs> to die on it. Um, all right. All right. So <laughs> we're going to have to wrap it up. I know you got to go here. But uh, what are your plans for the Fourth of July? That's not exactly like a hard-hitting question, but uh, what do you what do you have going on for the uh, for the holiday? Well, for the first time in probably six years, I actually have the Fourth of July off. So I'm going to cut up this episode. Uh, I'm going to watch some Braves baseball, and I'm probably not going to do a whole lot of anything. I kind of enjoy like. I don't really like going places on holidays because like traffic is I don't just hate traffic like it makes me physically ill like physically angry. Uh, I'm not good in traffic at all. So generally I try to stay home as much as possible. But in all honesty it depends on my wife. If she wants to go watch fireworks we'll end up watching fireworks. No that's I'm I'm with you. I mean I, I work from my house so anytime I have to go get out into traffic I'm I'm the most irritable person. It's the the worst version of myself as someone who's sitting in, in some level of gridlocked traffic, and from where you are, you might even be able to see some fireworks, just some randos getting getting shot off. So uh, you might be able to to skirt around having to actually go anywhere. But that's my hope. I mean, the dogs are gonna be freaking out anyway. But uh, it's my one. Oh hope. my god, my mine, my poodle in particular. Uh, anybody who is listening, he was the one that was barking like a jerk about 10 and also 17 minutes ago. Um, he gets like mega, mega anxious around fireworks. Like we've got the, the thunder vest for him and uh, we're definitely going to wind up breaking that out for the fourth. A couple years ago, um, my German shepherd wound up going after my lab because he... He just, the lab just gets excited, and he wants to hump everything. He's like, oh, my God, stuff is blowing up. Let's have sex. And she's just like, nuh-uh, I'm going to kill you. And she tried. So, um, you know, thunder vests all around for it, for everybody. Like, around around here, there's people in my neighborhood that um, don't realize the the effect that they're they're causing on my, my fur family. So, uh, hopefully, those people are out of town this weekend. Um, we Val and I are going to go run a race tomorrow morning go run a, a 10k and then we invited ourselves over to my parents pool so they're gonna have to deal with that so yeah sounds like a full docket for you so uh sounds like a lot of fun to all you listeners out there hope you guys have a fantastic fourth of july or hope you guys had since you'll be listening to this on friday hope you guys had a fantastic fourth of july thank you guys so much um remember you can follow us pretty much everywhere we're on iHeartRadio now too and blueberry which is another podcasting Ooh. platform uh if you that's right. If you want to become a patron and subscribe to the Patreon, Doc, why don't you tell them where to find it? You can find that at patreon.com backslash TPS underscore podcast. Do not spell the underscore, just type an underscore. <laughs> and uh, remember, if you guys do, and, and obviously no no obligation, guys, uh, but if you do, make sure you, you tell us that you did. Screenshot and and. and Send it to us on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. That way we can put you in there. Uh, love to interact with you guys anyway, but we would love to have you on the show if you were to do something like that. So thank you guys so much. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week with our All-Star Break episode right here on the Platinum Sombrero. <laughs>
Det er ikke